Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Maybe that's why Bluehost has been recommended by WordPress.org since 2005. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com wondersuite. That's bluehost.com wondersuite. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Dispensing cannabis business knowledge beyond a million square feet of cultivation space, CannabisRadio.com proudly presents Blunt Business, harvested by Strainwise Consulting. Together, we will navigate the challenges and opportunities of one of the most profitable industries on earth. Join us each episode to hear our weekly roundtables and interviews with industry professionals. Now, let's delve into some blunt business with your host, Thanks for joining us here for another edition of Blunt Business here on CannabisRadio.com. I feel like I've been doing this all day. This is a, but Just so you know, we do record these in bulk, and I usually do it on Fridays, folks. I'm giving a little bit of the inside the fourth wall, which people don't do that in the radio. They're not supposed to do that, unless you're Howard Cern, I guess, right? But I'm doing it anyway just to mention that I'm, I've gone in, and we've, done, we've had every person I've interviewed today has been from California. We've talked about the California cannabis market. I hope you enjoy it because we've been talking a lot about it. But what I also want to say is I want to hear what you want to hear about in general about the cannabis business uh, industry. Just cannabis businesses, finance, legal, what have you. The, the cultural side of it, the social side of it. I want to know what you think about what we've been doing here on the show. Any guests that you think we should have on the show. Any comments that I could share with the audience, if you'd like to or if not, a, a public or private would be just fine. I recommend all of you right here at the top of the show. Please email me, Brasco, B-R-A-S-C-O, at CannabisRadio.com. Again, that's B-R-A-S-C-O at CannabisRadio.com. I'd really love to hear from all of you. Take a moment to go ahead and send a quick note over. I really would appreciate it. Now, on this episode, I'm with one of the co-founders of Henry's Original, a craft cannabis brand started by local farmers in Laytonville, California, providing sun-grown clean green certified cannabis throughout california i'm here with jamie warm co-founder ceo of henry's original jamie thanks for joining us it's my pleasure thanks for having me my pleasure as well really glad to have you so henry's produces as i said clean green certified flower and pre-roll products cultivated entirely in mendocino county california 
You hold 13 state licenses, which includes nursery, cultivation, processing, distribution, and a retail dispensary license. The company has more than 100,000 square feet of cultivation in California. Now, Jimmy, you said that Henry's original quote represents the legacy of Mendocino County family farmers and original rebels in the cannabis revolution. Mendocino County is said to be the wild, rugged heartland synonymous with the new cannabis green rush. What's the, well, talk to me about the appeal of Mendocino County for growers and consumers and how you represent that area. Sure. Um, I guess, you know, for me, <clears throat> I started out uh, in, in I, I, I should say, what, what would be considered larger scale cultivation in Mendocino County, which at that time were 25 plant um, gardens. Um, I guess just a brief background. I started in, I went to school in Santa Barbara, worked for one of the first cannabis dispensaries. And um, in that time, uh, obviously worked with a lot of cultivators that were coming down from Mendocino and selling the product uh, as, as we were procuring it for the, uh, for the dispensary. And um, I ended up finding myself in, in Mendocino County and uh, bought, a, bought a farm and was kind of indoctrinated into the culture, into the world. And, uh, you know, it's um, really when I went up there, um, you know, uh, you are brought into a world where, um, there, you know, there's only there's the, to, to live and um, excel and survive in a community um, like that. I mean, it's very tight knit. Right. And uh, and it's, you know, the, the folks I met were third generation cannabis farmers. Um, they've been doing it since the, the 60s and the 70s. And, um, you know, there's only so many people that you hand 100 pounds to or 300 pounds to and hope that they come back with the money so you can pay your mortgage and water bills and so on and so forth. And um, and that's the kind of community it was and uh, and, and still and still is. I mean, it's obviously changed a lot through, through regulation and legalization. But, um, you know, it's, it's generational cannabis farming and, you um, you know, that's, um, I, I've, I've lived there for the last, um, oh goodness, 17 years. And um, it's it's that essence uh, of the culture that, that we really want to preserve. And, um, you know, like I said, a lot has changed through regulations and um, having to run administration and compliance and, um, you know, fit into the, the box of, um, of a fully compliant um, cannabis company. It's, it's been challenging, no doubt about it. Uh, the quantity of farms has, has shrunk quite a bit, but our intent has been to build um, essentially shared infrastructure projects um, through the nursery and processing facilities so that the farmer can, uh, well, so that we alleviate the expenses on the farmer of having large teams coming in to plant and harvest and, um, and, um, you know, essentially just bring down the costs for them so that they can survive in the legal market. I'm going to go um, into the actual history of Mendocino and the Emerald Triangle in just a few moments, coming up after a quick break. But before we go to that break, I want to ask you, now, your company announced it closed a Series B investment led by Merida Capital Partners, a private equity firm focused on solely on the cannabis and hemp industries. At least they're working on real companies and good industries and doing the right thing. I'm like, <laughs> unlike the side part where private equity firms that run radio companies, iHeartRadio, I'm talking to you. Uh, <laughs> now, the plan is you intend to use the funds for expanding cultivation, processing sales, and marketing operations. Mm-hmm. Do you have any plans that you're ready to implement that you can share with us? Yeah, um, sure. So, yeah, we did we did close a, a round with Merida. Um, and all of that money, I'd say about 90% of it went into operations. You know, when you look at the landscape, um, I'll just kind of back up and say, when you look at the landscape of brands on the, 
uh, on the market in the cannabis industry, they traditionally will focus um, their their marketing dollars first. And I understand why, right? You're trying to target the consumer and uh, create a product that um, is appealing to a particular demographic or psychographic um, uh, in the market. And, you know, for us, what we've really gone back to is we're very community focused. Um, you know, we employ over 100 people in Laytonville. Um, we are we put the money into our shared infrastructure projects so that other farms can exist in this regulated marketplace um and that's really where it's gone to you know we built a twenty-two thousand square foot environmentally controlled greenhouse solely dedicated to providing clones to our partner farms nice. um so we'll subsidize the farmer by giving them you know twenty five fifty thousand dollars of clones on the front end we get a first right of refusal on that product um, so that we can put it into our products and then we help them with the processing as well. So we'll come in, um, take that product, hang it dry, cure it, sort it, turn it to consumer packaged goods and pay the farmer. Um, so um, yeah, what that money went to, it went to building out uh, a larger operations team. It went to uh, our nursery. It went to, I mean, the, the, the site that we have our nursery on, we also built a brand new 5,000 square foot um, processing facility. Um, that is just for the trimming, uh, excuse me, the, uh, the hanging, drying, curing and uh, sorting and binning. And then we just brought on another uh, 14,000 square foot processing facility where the actual consumer packaged goods are made. So they, they move over there, the pre-rolls, the pre-packaged flour um, is made. You know, I was able to put some, some money towards marketing dollars, which has been great. But if you look at our website compared to, you know, some of our competitors, um, it, it, we're still in kind of a rudimentary um, form. We don't have any e-commerce or anything like that for swag. Um, we're going to get there, but you know, we really, we, you know, I have a, I have a belief um, fundamentally that the brands that are going to win are, um, uh, are going to have a strong supply chain. Their, their success is going to be relative to their access and supply. And so, you know, as we back into that in our strategy, that, that is really making sure that our community, that our business thrives and our community thrives. Um, and so, like I said, you know, most of our money has gone towards operations. Um, you know, we check off all the, all the boxes to be a successful brand, nice packaging, um, you know, uh, right price, great product, consistent product. But at the end of the day, you got to back into that in operations and make sure that um, you can deliver on those promises. And um, so that's what we've done. That's, that's where we put the money. So you made mention of the website, Henry's Original, and that's, uh, just add a .com to it, henrysoriginal.com, H-E-R-N. H-E-N-R-Y-S original. Make sure to take a look at that while we go to commercial break. I want to talk about the history of the Emerald Triangle. We'll bring that up in just a moment. Stay with us. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. (laughs) They have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing, healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA-free and lead-free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. 
The cannabis industry is growing almost as fast as the cannabis and hemp being planted and harvested. Where, when, and how fast will the cannabis and hemp industries continue to climb? Who will be the people leading the charge into that promised land of profit? Let's pursue those answers and more with the Plant Profits. Welcome to another episode of Plant Profits. I am Bert Miller, your host. As you guys know, the purpose of this show is to introduce you to some of the most forward-thinking executives and companies in the cannabis industry. Plant Profits, only on CannabisRadio.com. The National Cannabis Industry Association's third annual California Cannabis Business Conference takes place October 8th and 9th in Long Beach, California. Register today at CaliforniaCannabisBusinessConference.com and take part in the only industry trade show focusing solely on the California market hosted by the cannabis industry's only national trade association. NCIA's California Cannabis Business Conference brings together thousands of cannabis industry leaders, policymakers, and entrepreneurs to discuss California-specific regulations, market trends, policy, advocacy, and research. The California Cannabis Business Conference will also feature over 60,000 square feet of expo floor, showcasing over 200 exhibitors. Make your plans now for NCIA's third annual California Cannabis Business Conference, October 8th and 9th in Long Beach, California. Register today at CaliforniaCannabisBusinessConference.com. That's CaliforniaCannabisBusinessConference.com. I hope you didn't forget about us because we're back with Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. I'm joined by Jamie Warm, the co-founder and CEO of Henry's Original here on Blunt Business, CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back. A recent letter to the editor of the Ukiah Daily Journal. I really did some my research for this. They wrote this about uh, the Emerald Triangle. They said, quote, the Emerald Trial Triangle's reputation for growing premier quality cannabis began over four years ago when counterculture back to the landers started migrating into the area in the 1970s and 80s from the Bay Area to get away from the urban rat race. As the Emerald Triangle's legend grew, so did the amount of cannabis dollars flowing into the region until cannabis supplanted the declining timber industry as the main driver of our North Coast economy. Legalization of cannabis in California has brought multiple layers of regulation at every level of state, county, and municipal government, which has created an impenetrable barrier for these small legacy farmers who built the cannabis industry to gain a foothold in a legal marketplace. For its part, the Mendocino County Board of Supervisors has shown no inclination to support legacy cannabis farmers when drafting the county's cannabis cultivation regulations. Instead, they have crafted regulations that are so cumbersome, convoluted, and confusing, like the alliteration, that only large corporate growers can comply. God, there's a lot of C's in them. In fact, less than 300 <laughs> permits have actually been issued by the county, and most small farmers remain in the black market. Now, that's a lot to unpack right there. Jamie, help our listeners understand the issues surrounding the reputation of the area, and has that effectively directed what your team has had to deal with? Yeah, I mean, you, listen, the, the reputation of the area, that's that's why we planted our flag as being a Mendocino company. It's, um, yeah. you know, it's uh, that's the heritage of Mendocino, it's cannabis cultivation. Uh, I think it's accurate to say that it was timber before that. I think they ran side by side for a while, and as um, you know, the environmental regulations around timber production uh, increased, 
um, and mills went out of business, you know, Mendocino became more and more synonymous with cannabis. As I've traveled the States and the world, really, um, when I tell people I'm from Mendocino, uh, the next question is, oh, where, where's the weed? Um, <laughs> so, you know, it, it is known I, um, nationally, it's known globally, um, and I really do look at cannabis, um, I should say I look at Mendocino cannabis really no different than I would look at Napa Valley wine or Cuban cigars or Kentucky bourbon. It's a product with a regional identity. And, um, and that's a strong belief we have. And that's why we invest in our supply chain. Um, and, um, and make sure that we're prepped for really, um, you know, national, uh, legalization, federal legalization and the global supply trade. Um, I really do want to see Mendocino cannabis go far and wide. I believe we have the authentic story, the, the rich history, uh, to tell that story and um and that's what we're excited about now i mean back to your more specific question and um you know how the regulatory changes have affected um you know the, the farming community at large there's no doubt that um it's had a um a very uh it's been a, 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 um it's complex it's been it's yeah. been a, a huge challenge for people to come across um into the regulated marketplace some people are more um, adept to dealing with it than others. Um, you know, there's, with regulation, there's um, a much stronger focus on organization and structure. And, you know, that, that's just not what a legacy cultivator has ever had to focus on. I'd say growing cannabis has been a, a family farm endeavor. Um, there's been very little to no administration. It's been all cash. Um, you know, it's the bank of the dirt, you bury the cash and you, you parse it out for the next year. Um, and there's all sorts of other, you know, factors, um, community-based factors really, uh, that, that went into running a successful black and gray market, um, farm, you know, it was really about the company you kept. Um, and, um, and that, that really did dictate a lot of your success, you know, the people that you deal with. Now, part um, of the thing, do you think it's also a matter that, there might be a, a growing disconnect because of the fact that I want to. This is just I'm just really off the top of my head. I'm just assuming you've had the reputation for so many years. Obviously, cash crop, cash business, and people understood and they were just aware of the market. But obviously, it has become so profitable that other players came in from outside of the county, decided to go ahead and put their way in, and just started putting in the regulations to make sure that they get their cut. Is that pretty much that? Will that be kind of the idea that's coming in here, and that's why we I have this connection? You know, no, I don't think that is accurate. I okay. would say that um, through the 90s and 2000s, I mean, I look at Mendocino as being a melting pot in and of itself. I mean, okay. the, the black market and gray market, when you go to Mendocino, you'll find uh, contingents from Wisconsin. You'll find contingents from Florida, Massachusetts. I mean, everybody came to Mendocino. Because they could make a, a living doing, running a, uh, I, I use the word gray market operation because we had Prop 215 in place, um, where you were quasi-legal, but there were still helicopter raids, a lot of products still went out of state. Um, so you can kind of operate in this, you know, this gray market quasi-legal state, but at, at the end of the day, you were still subject to a lot of um, prosecution and, and, and federal, um, you know, uh, incrimination. Um, the... You know, I think that a lot of that actually happened pre-legalization. Once legalization happened, the, there's, there are no other, there's two, three, excuse me, there's three, I would say, large companies, and by large, I'll define as having employees of 100 or more um, as a multi-million dollar operation. 
there's three companies in Mendocino that are able to operate at that scale. And no doubt we've had to raise money from outside of California. Um, you know, Merida um, um, Advisors is from New York, uh, who we raised money from. And, um, we did have some other folks come in, uh, but you know, we, we still, we still control our board. We still control our company. Most of these other, uh, these other two companies are, are, I would still consider very small companies in the landscape mm-hmm. of what you're going to consider a small business or not. I mean, everybody's under $20 million as in annual revenues as a business. And, you know, something that you mentioned that I just think is a true misconception in the cannabis industry is, um, is a mention of how immensely profitable this is. And, the reality is that not many companies are actually making earnings, right? There's a difference between all the money coming in and the revenue being um, being brought in and an actual EBITDA or earnings being made, right? And very, very few companies, you can look at the publicly traded companies as well, as well are, are capturing EBITDA. Most of them are just capturing earnings, right? Uh, excuse me, are capturing revenue. Um, and we're no different. We are not a profitable organization. That is why people are raising equity capital. You raise, if I had a, uh, 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 if I had a profitable company, I wouldn't need to raise equity capital. The, the reality is that you're, we're growing at such an accelerated pace. There is no infrastructure in place. So you have to, you have all these capital expenditures that you have to build. Um, and the, t- the taxes are so onerous that there's no profits. There are no profits the, you, we, you have to get to such a large volume because there are razor thin margins to find any earnings. Huh. That's okay. that is the state of the industry right now. You definitely turned my head around. I didn't. I really. I because again, I basically just said that out of an assumption. Not so much there were a lot of growers and a lot of businesses coming in, profiting and changing the dynamic of the of the area. Uh-huh. I thought it was more on the legislative end because of the regulation that's coming in from this Mendocino County of uh, Board of Directors. That That's what I really thought, or the Board of Supervisors. That's where I thought mm-hmm. maybe was more of the issue because of the fact of the amount of permits being allowed, the black market being still very prominent. So without the taxes having to be spent on anything, that the money might be retained. But I didn't realize it was like that. I really didn't. And so I wasn't trying you to know, go ahead just, and... It just... That's yeah, what it looks no, it's like okay. It's a common misconception. Yeah, you know, most... most You're going to make more money right now as a black market grower. I mean, let's just say, you know, last year, Oregon had three years worth of supply and now they're running into shortages. California is the same thing. Or people were worried about oversupply and not enough supply. Now all these new permits are coming and permits and licenses are coming online. But the reality is when you have uh, a raw good in California worth eight or $900 a pound and that same raw good in Oklahoma, which just legalizes worth $3,600 a pound, yeah. where do you think people are sending? Where do you think the farmers are sending it to? <clears throat> you know, that, exactly. and that's going to continue to happen as every new state comes online. And that's another reason we invest so much in our supply chain is because we're seeing this economic whiplash in the raw goods. You know, it goes up and it goes down based on supply, but that supply is not relative to what is needed, what the demand is in California. It's relative to what the demand is in the entire United States. There's still an extraordinary amount of diversion happening, even in um, organizations that are in the track and trace system. So, um yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's complex. It's a complex marketplace but, out there. But now, let's talk about the black market, because you really segued right into a story that recently got published by NBC News titled, California's Cannabis Black Market Has Eclipsed Its Legal One. This, mm-hmm. wow, I couldn't believe this, but here's what the story tells us. Illegal sellers outnumber legal and regulated businesses almost three to one. 
That's according to a startling analysis of California cannabis business sellers released this month. The United Cannabis Business Association, a statewide group of legal marijuana businesses, found that about 2,835 illicit sellers, including storefronts and delivery services, are operating statewide. The amount of legal uh, storefronts and delivery services is 873. Now, this is mm-hmm. this was uh, delivered in an, earlier this month in an open letter to Governor Gavin Newsom and State Marijuana Czar, Bureau of Cannabis Control Czar, Lori Ajax. So, what are your thoughts on this yeah. issue and the bureau of, uh, and the battle the Bureau of Cannabis Control has against this unstoppable black market problem? I mean, you see this right here. It's there's no control over this. No, there, there's not. Um, you know, the only way that we are going to have a successful regulated market is by eliminating the black market, and that's been—it's really been the challenge um, that we've had. You know, it, it goes back into what I was was speaking on in terms of, of finding earnings. You know, um, in order to allow this regulated marketplace to um, to survive, we need we need to have less taxes, right? We need to allow the folks that are investing extraordinary amounts of cash to build their facilities, to build compliance teams, to, to, to survive in the legal marketplace. We need to give them a break, right? And, and that, and, and the resources, the money that is generated needs to go out, um, needs to be spent on, uh, tamping down the illicit market. And, um, it's, it's, that is not how that is not the state of affairs right now. You know, there's been a few bills that have come across the um, uh, the state legislature to reduce taxes, and those have all died. You know, the the <laughs> the consumer doesn't want to pay higher taxes. They're getting cheaper product on the black market. There are things like you know the vape oil crisis that is happening right now. Um, that that um, that that is just a black market issue. So it's things like that that can push people to the to the regulated marketplace. But at the end of the day, the the the, the product costs too much. You know, it is causing a slow growth in the regulated marketplace, and there's not enough focus on the black market. There's not enough resources being allocated to go after black market retailers, black market farms, black market distribution centers. Um, and um, you know, that's a t- there, there needs to be. Um, um, more of a focus um, from a top-down approach to to um, to deal with these issues. Now, and in uh, the county there, Mendocino County, a few things that were pointed out in a story that I've constantly referred to here is a New York Times article that mentioned the fact in the Mendocino County Sheriff's Office. Uh, this is back in April. They were they they shut down and raided a legal cannabis production facility that was processing 500 pounds of cannabis a day. And then they also seized cannabis oil from another group that was worth more than $5 million. And when it comes to all this that's going on, there's just so much there. And getting back to my original point, get back to the story, the, the fact of the matter is that you have all this going on, and, oh my God, it's like uh, the Bureau of Cannabis Control gets 7,500 complaints, and I believe this is every month, most about illegal operations <laughs> 3,000 letters that were sent out ordering illegal businesses to shut down. So, I mean, I don't know what is the answer to this, but, you know, there was a point, obviously, where the bike market probably handled itself well, but we there's no control over it. No, there's no accountability with, within. And with Mendocino County, 
that's it's kind of alarming. Um, is there anything that you've been able to do or that you have with other business owners within the county to help try to curb that, that kind of uh, activity? You know, we haven't put a large focus on, let's say, um, you know, turning turning black market growers in. Um, it's all, obviously also, and nor, nor would I want to play that side of the fence. Well, you I'm know, not saying you know, enforcing and uh, trying to tell them to, to stop, but I mean, it's just a matter of, it's going to be out there, but you know, let's make sure that we're not having all these. The problem is that some of this black market, they're, they're just putting out bad products and it's dangerous for everybody else. Of course. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. I mean, for us, the, our focus, this is why this just goes back into our strategy is, yeah. is create an environment where more people can play. And the only way to do that is to drive the cost down. And the only way that we can help them is by creating these large infrastructure projects that are accessible to farmers that want to come into the regulated marketplace. Um, so, you know, we're just trying to create an environment where other other farms and other businesses in Mendocino uh, can be can, can play in and be a part of. And uh, that has really been our focus. So I want to go talk about some positive numbers when it comes to California and just a little bit more about uh, how the state of California has helped the cannabis or how their level of support of the cannabis industry thus far with legalization been going on as it has. We're going to talk more with Jamie Warren, co-founder and CEO of Henry's Original in just a moment. Stay with us. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. Blunt fortunate to have Michael Brewer of Brewer and Shipley. Your signature top 10 song, One Toke Over the Line. I've read a couple different versions of, of what the tune's origins are. What's the true story? We were playing a little club in Kansas City. A friend stopped by with some really good hash. We stepped out back and came back in. We're tuning up in the dressing room and Tom said, man, I'm really One Toke Over the Line. And I just cracked up. I thought it was hysterical. We literally wrote that song just entertaining ourselves and to make our friends laugh. It's time to Hemp Resent, only on Cannabis Radio. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now. About a game for your phone, gonna make you say, wow! The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash. Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash. Little by little, your empire grows large. Put different celebrities inside your entourage. You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Cheech and Chong. Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong. The name of the game is Hemping, that's the point. Download and play while you like yourself a joint. The business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh, yeah. Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. Let me welcome Nick Hexum from 311. We've never heard things like your music when it first came out. It's like to mix the reggae with the punk and all of that together was just such an unusual sound and and we loved it. We realized we're not going to copy what's on the radio. At the time, it was all grunge that was on the radio. And I said, let's just stick to what we know and wait for a culture to come around to us. Hey, it's Nick Hexum from 311, and you're listening to Cannabis Confidential with Dr. Dina on CannabisRadio.com. Now I'm ready to turn the page. 
hope you didn't forget about us because we're back with Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. And we're back with Jamie Worm, co-founder and CEO of Henry's Original here on Blunt Business. The Motley Fool reports that within the U.S. there are more than a dozen states expected to become billion-dollar marijuana markets within the next five years. The forecast to lead all states, California, in total legal cannabis sales. By 2024, uh, Combined research from ArcView Market Research and BDS Analytics foresees $7.23 billion in annual legal cannabis spending in California. That's out of $30.1 billion in estimated legal spending throughout the entire United States. So, my God, that's more than a fifth of what's going on throughout the entire country. To say that California is important to the long-term success of the cannabis industry would be an understatement. But just the same. To say that California has failed on a monumental level to support its legal cannabis industry would be also a gross understatement. How do you weigh what's being said there? All the stats and how California has supported the industry in Mendocino County in general and what you're doing. Well, I think in order to meet um, that those kind of estimates, you know, we need to see we we need to see a larger uh, amount of production coming out of California. Um, there, I'd say we need to see two things. We need to see more um, a higher spend on on production. We need to see lower tax rates. Um, I think that um, you know. Um, the, <laughs> The appetite is there for the consumer, right? We are seeing all sorts of um, new consumers coming into the marketplace. It feels like a safer marketplace. Mm. Um, the products are being tested um, <laughs> to a very uh, large degree, you know, for our products to get to the marketplace they're tested seven times along the supply chain. Um, and, you know, we're seeing all age demographics come in. We're seeing a lot of repeat consumers. We're seeing new products, uh, you know, um, special cannabinoids like CBD and CBGs and CBNs being targeted and cultivated and put into products, which are allowing, you know, um, different different consumers come in. We're seeing the, the baby boomer population really coming into this. Um, um, so, you know, it's, it's exciting that we just, we just we need a we need a larger supply chain, which is going to command um, a loosening of regulation. You know, as as this um, whole process is rolled out in 2018, um, you know, cannabis has been treated as um, something that government can make a lot of money on. Um, so that cost obviously gets passed on to the consumer, um, and then the the uh, it creates a, an environment where um, companies aren't aren't profiting, right? So. Um, they're relying on the financial markets to support them. Um, and, um, and there needs to be, um, you know, larger supply chain and, and lower taxes. That, that really is the, uh, the answer to a successful California marketplace. And that happens municipality by municipality, um, as well as from the state level. Um, Crossing fingers and toes yeah. for that. Let's just hope that things kind of get better altogether. I appreciate you answering questions for me with Jamie. Let's go and talk about Henry's original one more time. Premium cannabis smokes made from very strict standards. I like the packaging. By the way, very environmentally friendly packaging. I see as you do as well. And four half gram smokes in a pack. Heirloom flour. Lab tested for quality. And again, grown in Mendocino County, you make sure it's on the package. Talk to me about uh, the line of products that you have. Obviously, sending people to henrysoriginal.com. 
What can you tell us about the product line, what's been doing well, and where can people find it yeah. and get them ha- get their hands on it? Absolutely. So we, um, it's all flower products. Uh, we do um, prepackaged flour in different sizes. We do grams and eights. Mm-hmm. Um, we uh, also do a line of pre-rolls. We do single grams, and then we do a pack that is in um, it's a four-pack, a half, four-half gram smokes. Um, and then we have a third product line that is um, it's a co-branding partnership with Omura. So they are a technology company. They, they make some hardware. It's a, it's a yeah. vaping device. And then we are the fill partner. So we make these cartridges that we pack with flour. The cartridge then gets put into the um, into the, the vape pen, and um, and you ter- press a button and uh, and and um, inhale. And uh, it's really it's really incredible. Um, for, through all of our our lines, both our prepackaged, our pre rolls, and the um, and the Omura cartridges, um, we do THC a THC line and a CBD line. And um, our CBD line, we do you know um, we do a two to one, which is called Coast. Uh, we do an eight to one, which is a strain called Easy Rider, and then we do a, a high CBD, a twenty to one, uh, which is a strain called Ritual. So um, you kind of have varying degrees of psychoactive effects in that, and then we do high THC lines as well. And um, you can find our products in about two hundred fifty retailers across California, um, everywhere from you know the desert, uh, Coachella, Desert Hot Springs, Palm Springs to. San Diego, up through Orange County, Los Angeles, Santa Barbara, Ojai, San Luis Obispo, into the Bay Area, everywhere in the surrounding Bay Area, San Francisco, Oakland, San Jose, Sacramento, Mendocino, Humboldt, we're all over California. So um, we are in uh, about about 50%, 60% of the stores open in California right now. Fantastic. So thank you again for joining us here. Jamie Warm, co-founder and CEO of Henry's Original. Henrysoriginal.com is where you can learn more. Thanks for joining us, Jamie. Really do appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. My pleasure as well. So, again, henrysoriginal.com. Thank you all for joining us here for another edition of Blood Business. You can download past episodes of the show by going to cannabisradio.com. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spreaker, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Thank you for listening. Opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. 
Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.